Worldwide parent coach and conscious educator, Sue DeCaro, is on a mission to revitalize the joy in parenting. Welcome to Conscious Parents, Thriving Kids, a podcast designed to help parents all over the world create deeper connections with themselves and their children while overcoming life's daily parenting challenges. Listen in if you want to bring more laughter, love, and enjoyment to your home life. Welcome to Conscious Parents, Thriving Kids, a place for all things parenting. I am your host, Sue DeCaro. I am so excited about this episode and sharing time with my special guest, Melanie Hemp. Melanie educates parents on the negative consequences of excessive screen use and teaches them how to incorporate healthier alternatives that rebuild relationships between their child, their family, and the real world. Through her many speaking engagements at local workshops and conferences around the country, Melanie brings together her compelling personal story and her command of the emerging research on childhood screen addictions to provide practical solutions to struggling families. Her work has been featured in local and national media, including Psychology Today, Thrive Global, The Wall Street Journal, NPR, and CBS. Melanie holds a Bachelor of Science in Nursing from Emory University and is the author of three books. She lives in North Carolina with her husband and their four children. Her willingness to share the personal story of her family is at the heart of Screen Strong. Melanie, welcome. I'm so excited that you're here with me today. Thank you, Sue. I am so excited to be here and just share my story with your audience. Well, I think we know how important your story and the work that you're doing and how you're helping parents is for families all over the world. Can you share a little bit about your personal story and the reason for this passion? Because I'm sure our listeners would love to hear that. Definitely. Um, so I have four children like you. You mentioned my husband. I have four. And our oldest son, um, you know, was our first, of course. <laughs> and sometime with your first, you're not really sure. Um, you're, you're sort of experimenting on things, I guess. You're not really sure what you're doing. But I was actually pretty sure what I was doing with Adam. And um, I'm a labor delivery nurse. I have a lot of child development background as well. And um, back when he was growing up, we thought that his um, interest in video games and screens, we just thought that was just the coolest thing ever because we didn't grow up with screens. And so we just thought he was brilliant. I'll never forget that first day we got our our first um, um, computer in our house, the big desktop, and we pulled it out of the box and he was in his little footy pajamas and he came over and he learned how to use that mouse in two seconds. I, of course, took a lot longer <laughs> to learn the mouse. And so we were very impressed with him. And so um, that was um, when he was when he was little. Um, then as he got to be an older child in, in through middle school, um, he got very enamored with the Game Boy, which was a handheld device. I think many people know what that that is. And, you know, even the teachers at his school um, told all the moms, yes, this builds hand-eye coordination and it's just a fabulous tool for learning. And at the time I was a little confused because I wasn't sure how playing with a handheld toy was really going to help anything, <laughs> but I bought it hook, line and sinker. And, um, by the time he got to ninth grade, he, um, was issued a school laptop. Now he graduated in 2010. So this was sort of an early adopter school and they decided that technology was the way to go. 
So it was on that day, quite frankly, um, Sue, where everything changed, everything. Um, it, it went from me being the game cop mom, um, you know, controlling the time he spent on his video games uh, with a kitchen timer to now in ninth grade, all of a sudden, I realized I lost my, my power, so to speak, because he, had, he kept telling me he had to do homework. And this is very common for kids today. They say, oh, we need all the screen time because we're doing homework, mom, and we are learning code is what I believe Adam told me. Or I don't know if he told me or I, that's what I assumed. And he let me believe that he was going to be a computer programmer. And so, you know, the more hours and hours and hours he spent on this device, he was justifying. But really all he was doing is playing Call of Duty and World of Warcraft. <laughs> and mm. so um, we would get in a lot of conflict in our homes. And I think there's a lot of families out there that have experienced um, the issue with what, it, you know, having conflict, especially now during all the quarantining where our kids are home a lot more and it's like, oh man, they were on their screen for six hours today and I didn't even pay attention. <laughs> um, what are we doing? We're, you know, they're on too much. So what happened with Adam all through high school is he ended up dropping out of all his other activities and I was concerned about it. But at the same time, all my friends were telling me, well, at least you know where he is. He's safe in your basement playing video games. He's not out getting into trouble. And at the time I thought, well, that's right. But shouldn't kids kind of be getting into a little bit of trouble, <laughs> you know, trying new things and um, driving? I don't know. It just seems like when I turned 16, I wanted to get my driver's license, but he didn't. He just wanted to play his video game. So he traded all his extracurricular activity for more times on his video game. His grades were still very good, so that's what confused me. Um, but then he went to college, and that first year I went to pick him up after his second semester, and um, he was a mess. And he got in the car, and he said, Mom, that video game did something to me. I've been in the bed for a week. I'm depressed. I haven't eaten. And he looked horrible. And he ended up not um, finishing his classes. So he came home, I drove him home. And at that moment, it, during that time from dr picking him up to driving him home, I realized that this was way more serious than I had originally thought. And, you know, it was something I didn't learn about in nursing school. Um, I had a very hard time figuring out that you could be addicted to a video game or to social media for that matter. Couldn't figure it out until I started reading a bunch of books. I traveled around the country and I started figuring out all the warning signs and the pieces that I missed um, with Adam. So we decided um, with the counselor in his school, she was on this journey with me and we decided maybe we should have a little meeting at our school. Maybe we're not the only people that, you know, family that's struggling with this. And so we had a meeting, we put a little flyer up and we had 125 people show up and oh my goodness, it really hit me that I was not the only parent that struggled with excessive screen time and um, that there were a lot of parents out there that were really hurting and a lot of families that were in conflict and really falling apart. So that's how the organization got started. But then in the meantime with Adam, um, if you have older children and you're listening, you can surely understand the feeling and, and, and how difficult it is to have a 19 year old boy living in your house again after after he had supposedly launched he was home literally living on my couch 
he could not function. He, um, he just was very depressed. And so I didn't know this at the time. I just knew that he was having some kind of, um, you know, dependency on his, on his video game. But I also knew that I had three other children in the house that I was raising. And I, and I knew very clearly this wasn't going to work. He either had to go to school or he had to get a job. He didn't want to do either one of those things. So I um, did some research and I actually called the um, U.S. Army and I had a recruiter come to our house. <laughs> and so, oh my goodness, was that the best decision we ever made? And um, he knocked on the door and I said, sir, my son loves to play Call of Duty. Could you please go recruit him into the infantry? <laughs> and he said, yes, ma'am. And he sat at our kitchen table and he recruited Adam. And Adam willingly um, thought it would be a cool thing to do, right? He thought it was going to be like a video game, I think. And um, that's just between you and me, but I think that's <laughs> what he really thought. <laughs> and so off he went into the military for five years. He, um, he served for five years. He went to Iraq. Um, he did beautifully well. He actually, what I learned as I was learning through this whole process, that that 14 weeks of basic training that he was in acted as a detox program for him. He was completely without his screens and his video games. And um, like he says, all I had was army issued underwear. I didn't even have my own underwear. Mm -hmm. So it turned out that that was the most fabulous decision. Although my friends were like, oh my gosh, how could you do this? How could you send your son to the army? And I just said, you know, he has got to become a man. He has to grow up. He has to start his life. I thought he was going to outgrow it. I thought this was just a silly habit that he was going to outgrow when he went to school. Obviously I was completely wrong and we have to do something. I saw the drastic nature of what this addiction was doing to him, to our family, to our other kids, to all of our friends, to our extended family, it, it's, it causes a lot of problems. And if you're listening, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So um, Adam did very well. He came home two years ago and um, finished college. And so we are very, very excited um, and just so proud of him um, because he actually just started law school last month. So he is doing quite well. And speaks now to parents about his story and what happened to him. And we have a series of um, videos on our YouTube channel that you can listen to little five minute clips from Adam. It's called Adam's journey. And so if you have an, a son who you want to say, you know what, son, this, this isn't really maybe such a great thing for you to be doing. Let's listen. Let's learn what I learned through my experience. I made so many mistakes. And so I'm, I'm very humble about this issue. Um, you know, I think I'm very vocal about it because I, I see very clearly what happened. I see what happened then with my younger kids when we decided not to allow them to have video games. We established a game-free home and we still have a game-free home. I have a daughter um, and then I also have twin boys that are now 16 and it is a beautiful thing, let me tell you, to mm. raise kids. Um, away from all of the, um, you know, uh, dependency issues and the time waster that, that screens really, really are. And so our life is very different now, not because I'm better than anybody, but because I've made more mistakes than anybody. I learned how to 
fix it. Most parents don't get a redo. Um, and you certainly don't get a redo when it comes to childhood, but I, I kind of get a, a do over with my younger kids. And, um, and I tell Adam all the time that he saved his brothers because they would have gone down the same exact path. So our organization got, um, organized and we have what we call a screen, um, a screen strong challenge. And this is a call to action for parents to at least take initially a week off of your your kids um, social media and their video games just to see if you can get them reset it really does take at least a month but we figure if you can give us seven days <laughs> we can help you start that process and so we have a screen strong families facebook group where our families come and they um, report in and they help each other and it is fascinating and amazing um, how many parents and how many families and how many kids are being saved. <laughs> and Absolutely. if I'd had that group, Sue, I tell you, I think I would have been uh, typing something every day <laughs> for questions. Well, about. and, and what, you're, what we've learned from our past helps us to guide and do what yes. we're doing today. And so, you know, uh, when you say because of all the mistakes you've made, I look at them as opportunities to learn and grow. Oh, and yeah. Sure, you wouldn't want to go back and do it all over again. But at the same time, <laughs> look where your son is now. Like you've all grown immensely. And even though I knew your story, I still have chills hearing it again oh. because I really think it's so powerful in how we come through the really darkest, hardest times mm -hmm. in learning, growing, and finding our passion for both you and your son. Look at your son now mm -hmm. in law school, finding his own passion. Crazy. So, and yeah. I love these challenges. And I, one of the things I'd like to add there is I think it's really important when we look at our children and their social media and gaming and all the things they're doing on screens that we also look at our own because we are the models as the adults in their lives. Mm -hmm. And if we're constantly on some form of our screen, you know, it doesn't matter if we're doing our work but we're always holding an apparatus in our hand, we're still setting the stage that, you know, screens are an extension of our fingers basically, mm -hmm. and that we should mm -hmm. all be on them all the time. So I think it's important yeah. for families to look at that too. So let, let's actually go there and talk a little bit about technology and why we struggle so much with it, not only as our kids, you know, do right. it, as we do as adults and human beings in this world. Yeah. So um, let me just explain a little bit. I mean, and I agree totally with what you're saying. I think that um, sometimes parents um, get very, very defeated when they think, oh no, I have to model good screen behavior. And that's really hard because of my job and all the stuff I have to do on the screen. Um, so they get defeated right away. And um, we, we do separate out the use of um, what I just called work-related screens versus entertainment screens. And it's sort of like a pendulum, a pendulum that swings and you've got entertainment screens and all on one end. <clears throat> and then you've got um, on the other end, you have just this silliness, you know, silly cat videos and all that kind of stuff on the other end. And so in the middle, you have that real narrow, sweet spot of actually productive screen use. And so even for adults, if you took out all of your wasted time screen use and just only did your productive screen use, it, it wouldn't be near um, the problem. But we're all endless, endlessly scrolling on social media and, and like, you know, video games they play over and over again. And so there's all this persuasive design around all that. But mm -hmm. just for a couple things, I'm going to touch on um, how screens 
hurt kids and how um, these are the things I realized with Adam. And then when I did all the research and I traveled and I have uh, quite a few physicians on our advisory board and we, um, we educate audiences on this all over the country. So a couple of things I want to just play uh, or, or talk about um, that screens do physically and emotionally hurt your kids um, if, if they are overused. And again, we're talking about immersive screens. I'm not talking about watching a baseball game on TV or a family movie night. It's the immersive nature of the screens. When you become the character and you, you, your brain shifts, there's a shift from the limbic area um, where the, um, there's this overstimulation that occurs when you're on a screen. And so what happens after about 20, 30 minutes, the frontal cortex starts to shut down. And the frontal cortex area, of course, is the judgment center. So you start to lose your ability to judge and you, you really get set in a fight flight um, mode. And that's what, what happens in our house. We would call that the game coma. We would say, well, Adam's in a coma right now. He can't even hear me calling him for dinner. Mm -hmm. And so there are very physical things that happen. There's a lot of dopamine that's released over and over and over again in levels that are so high, um, much higher than any normal amount of dopamine that you would ever get with daily activity. And this happens with video games as well as social media. So, the, what, what happens though from a developmental standpoint is their development can get very stunted because um, games are getting in the way of progress with their, their social development, for example, their um, ability to be around people. And moms and dads get very mistaken when they think that their kids are being social on these activities. They're not, it's, it's a form of socialization, but it is not true socialization because kids especially need to be face-to-face -face with other human beings in order to learn how to be a human being. You have to be around human beings. And this is not the same as playing Fortnite with your friend or um, texting, you know, your friend on your phone or even social media. And I think we have a very mistaken concept of this false connection. For adults, it's very good for maintaining friendships, but it does not build um, those tools that are necessary. The other thing is that I feel like screens really overprotect our kids. So you may stop and say, well, wait a minute, aren't you being overprotective if you don't let your kids have screens? No, screens overprotect our kids. And what I mean, and I saw with my son, he was not forced to deal with life while he was on his screen. Um, he, he was not forced to deal with the ups and downs of relationships, with the back and forth and the volley of a conversation. So he was very much in a bubble. And, and some of the criticism that I've gotten over the years is, well, if you don't let your kids play video games, you're being a helicopter mom. And, um, and so the, the, the opposite of that or the pushback on that is, no, you're actually helicoptering your kids when you give them a phone because you're tracking them. You know where they are. You're constantly in touch. It's like a long umbilical cord. You, you, they never are really away from mom and, and dad because they can, at a drop of a hat, they can text you. I mean, I have reports from all of our parents out there constantly saying, my, my daughter's texting me all through the day at school, asking me about how to get out of social situations or how to answer this or how to do that. That's not healthy for our kids. That is overprotecting. Um, and plus, they're also being exposed to just this huge, what I call, trash dump of every yucky thing out there um, in, in the world through social media and then also from video games too. Um, the, the biggest thing maybe, well, not the biggest thing, but the almost biggest thing <laughs> is the lost potential that that screen re replaces that time for developing life skills. 
So during the most gifted season of life, the season where our kids can realize the highest potential, they're they're throwing it away. They're they're not they're not reaching their potential at all. Like if the average kid, you know, has seven thousand hours of screen time during his school years. Actually, it's probably more than that now. Um, they're erasing all these opportunities for things that they, that they could have been and things they could have done. And they're also very impressionable during this stage. So kids copy what they see and they become the activities they do and the people they hang out with. And you know this very well, mm-hmm. that teenagers mimic and copy what their friends are doing. In fact, after even just a few weeks, they all start dressing alike, you know, when they right. go to school. Right, right. <laughs> you know, they, they mimic what they see. Mm-hmm. And so as parents, we are very responsible for what they see. And um, in the old days, that was easy. We could control you know, where our kids went and what parties they went to perhaps. But now it's impossible if you give them social media and if you give them full access, you know, video games and all that, you can't, you can't control it. So they're being thrown out in a world where everything goes and um, they don't have the frontal cortex um, development yet in order to make the best decisions. In fact, what I didn't understand with Adam was that I, I really thought he was an adult. I thought when he was taller than me, and you know he was 16 he was taller than me he had a mustache i thought he was an adult i was so wrong um as we know now from brain development and teenage brain development they are apprenticed adults they are not adults yet until around the age of 25 and for boys it could even be 26 or 27 before all those connections are strong enough in their brains to allow them to actually mature mm-hmm. and and but i i think that the biggest thing you know, we've covered a few things, but I think the biggest problem or the biggest, um, um, you know, hurt um, with kids who are screen, you know, who love to be on screens a lot is that they um, become detached from their families. Mm-hmm. And this is the the saddest thing when this happens. And it happened to us with Adam. Um, and it happens to children who spend an unbalanced amount of time on their screen and not as much time with their family, they become detached. And and we know that um, attachment disorders are rampant in our country. They wreak havoc on even our adult lives. Most of our adult lives are spent trying to fix what happened or didn't happen in our childhood. (laughs) Right, right. But we don't want to create that for our kids now. We don't want to create them fixing when they become. We want to fix it now. We don't even want them to have to go through that. And so, but the attachment issues are the primary villain in the story. I think Mm -hmm. that, um, that when a child is on a screen day in and day out, even if it's only an hour a day, they are launching into another world, into their virtual world. They are living their life in this social media world, whether it's Snapchat or TikTok or Instagram, or whether it's Fortnite or Call of Duty. They're, they're all the virtual world. And so when they leave your home, even if they're up in their bedroom, it doesn't matter. If they, when they leave, when they mentally and emotionally leave their home and they spend time in these other worlds, those other worlds become their compass. Those worlds become their family. And this was definitely true with my son. It's true with so many gamers that I talk to and their families. 
that they just leave. They are emotionally not there. This is why suicide is so high. This is why depression is so, so high, anxiety and stress. Our kids are home, but they're not really home. They've left the warm and secure attachment of their family in their village or their tribe, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it. And they have gone off into these far and distant lands and these virtual worlds. And like I said, they are they are using that for their compass. Well, you and I know that no one unconditionally loves our kids the way we do. That world out there does not love your child the way you do. And your child will get lost. Um, studies show that kids that are more peer attached as opposed to being parent attached, do worse in life in every, every measure. And I, that I is my, yeah. yeah, that's my biggest um, call to action to parents is where are your kids? Do you know your kids? The only way you can know your kids is spend time with your kids and talk to your kids and have conversations and communications. Otherwise, they are not going to feel loved. They are not going to be attached to you. And when they get to the point where they have big questions, to, you know, life's big questions and they need to come to you. They do not need to go to their peers. They don't need to go to some random stranger on their video game or social media to determine who they are and their identity. So kids are not little adults. We tend to confuse intelligence with maturity all the time. I did. I was very guilty of this. I thought that he was so smart. He must be mature. We tend to underestimate the persuasive design elements in screens today, you know, they're not playing Pac-Man anymore. Um, <laughs> right. You know, it's not, it's very, very persuasive. The movie, The Social Dilemma, yeah. I highly recommend that documentary. We're going to be doing a show, a little talk show on that uh, with Dr. Dunkley in a, in a few weeks. I think it's the 28th of um, this month, I believe. Um, so that movie really explains what's going on behind the scenes. And, and every you know, parent should see that movie. Every parent yes. and every teenage child should watch along with their parents. Yes. They're mature yes. enough. I absolutely it's, believe, yeah, what you're saying mm-hmm. is is so important. Knowledge, you know, just to kind of recap on a few things that you said, the knowledge that we are able to gain as adults in our children's lives by learning and understanding, you know, the things that you've shared. And of course, there's research and arenas for us to go to educate ourselves about how important it is for us to help our children and protect our children in the best way possible. And from that knowledge, you know, and knowledge is power, from Mm -hmm. that knowledge, we can create values for our children and values for our family. I mean, like you said, establishing a game-free home was a value that you Mm -hmm. felt very strongly about based on your experiences. And yes. so when we, when we are able to step into the knowledge arena, learn as much as we possibly can to help us create the values that are right for our family and our children, then we can create the family time, again, another value, right? right. Creating the time for families to engage and be connected in a way that, you know, we're not all sitting around on our phones, but in, in family time, in family meals and family get-togethers and family complete days and traditions, right. By having that engaged time where we are with our children and our children are with us without distraction. And, you know, obviously this is a big distraction and that is where, you know, we're all wired for, for connection. And this is the type of connection our children need. They need adults in their lives or at least one who truly Mm -hmm. is connected and they are truly connected back. 
Well, and a lot of people, you know, over the years, you know, probably the biggest question is, well, if you don't let your kids have video games, they're going to binge and go crazy later. And I, and I chuckle. It's such a myth. That is such a myth. And I probably used to think the same thing. So I'm not judging people for thinking that. I think that's a very, very common thing that pe people think. But what they don't understand is the, the, the sweetness that you get when you don't have these distractions. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're not legalistic. If my kids are out somewhere and there's a video game, whatever, I don't care. They can look at it. Um, it's not like, you know, we can, we're not screen free at all that, I mean, they have homework on their screens. We, I work on my screens. It's not that we just are not going to go down that path again. We have a game free home and we also have a porn free home. And we talk about that a lot with our kids. We have a lot of communication about it. I, I don't ever expect our communications and our conversations to change their behavior though. I do know that our conversations um, are building my relationship with them. I am becoming their coach. I am their expert in their life that I want to establish early on for them to be able to come to me with questions so they don't go to the wrong sources. But I think a lot of parents think, well, if I just talk to my kids, then I'm going to be able to solve this whole thing. So Melanie, while you may have had trouble with your son, I know that if I can just talk to my son, he won't get addicted. And I'm going to tell you right now, that is a recipe for disaster. <laughs> it doesn't work. It's like half true. Um, we, we do want to constantly have these conversations around social media and um, around video games, but we have to understand that conversations don't change that behavior. And so this is a very hard thing for parents to understand. And sometimes we have to make a few mistakes and we have to kind of step in it a little bit before we realize, you know what, this persuasive design out there of all these platforms is way more powerful than my kid. It's way more powerful than any conversation I can have. And that's where I got to step in like a coach, and this is what we recommend. We, we have a coach's analogy that we use in our um, challenge that we do. And the book that goes with it is The Screen Strong Solution, How to Free Your Child from Addictive Screen Habits. And um, there are um, seven steps in there. And when you sign up, this is a free challenge. Um, we explain how you really have to shift your thinking from parent to coach. And mm -hmm. we know that when a coach has a losing season, they have to sit down with their team and have the talk mm -hmm. and they have to get back to the basics and they have to just shore up that core. And um, when you think about a relationship with um, a coach and his team, it's a relationship full of um, power and leadership in, in a very good way, um, firm, strict, yet loving and kind. And that is the approach you want to use if you're out there right now thinking, oh my gosh, but when my kids look at me with those big eyes and they want me to go buy that next video game, I'm not going to be able to say no. When you look at it from a coach's perspective, you will say no. And you will say, this is not happening on our team in my house. And I don't care what the culture is really telling mm -hmm. me it's supposed to look like, but we're arguing about this. We're constantly fighting about it. He turns into a different person when he's playing his video game. She gets very anxious and depressed when she's on her social media. Something isn't right. We are not losing anymore. We have to make some changes. And so this is where we come in with our challenge and we help you make the change. We help you um, gather your support and prepare for it because you know the preparation is key. You can't just tomorrow go jerk all your video games out of your house. You have to have a plan. You have to replace it. You have to have the discussion with your kids. Um, you have to figure out what are the activities they're going to do. 
your goal is to rebuild their life skills, to rebuild your relationship with them, and to replace that screen time with productive things, and ultimately to reconnect your family. And, um, you know, childhood is really short. Mm-hmm. We don't have enough time to even do it the, the best way. Even if we didn't have video games, there's still not enough time to do everything that we want to do with our kids to launch them into adulthood. Um, you know, just learning life skills. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Like, like, this weekend, they learned how to change the spark plug in the weed eater, and they um, learned how to get the landscape fabric and put that down for our neighbors. They're working on their yard. They're learning so many life skills. We don't have time to waste on a silly video game. We yeah. have downtime in our home. They read a lot. They they all play the, the piano. Um, both boys play the piano and a violin. They play the guitar. We're, they're constantly um, entertained by entertaining themselves. We just don't depend on screens for entertainment. And maybe soon, maybe that is kind of the key message. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's not uh, to depend. It's not that it's all bad, but we are not going to depend on that. That is not going to be what we depend on. Well, one of the things that, that um, is coming through, you know, just in our conversation is the fact that we, w- you mentioned the piano and, you know, life skills and all these things that our kids are doing or your kids are doing. And I mm-hmm. think we, we don't give our kids the opportunity by no. being the adults in their life to, to learn what it is that makes them thrive, what they love, the piano, mm-hmm. the, you know, mm-hmm. playing soccer or whatever right. it is that makes right. our children thrive because they're so busy being distracted from their own yes. life and their own interests. And I and think that's what the challenge does. So if you yeah, take that challenge days, sounds great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just take seven days and see what happens. See how much time you have. It is amazing yeah. how much time you have and they can read and they can go outside and play and they can ride their bike and their longboard and have friends yeah. and play. Do a lot of things. But you yeah. know, I think one of the things that's really important, I mean, I highly recommend everybody uh, sign up for your free challenge and get started in a way that you start to look at this in a little bit yes. of a different perspective. It's a lifestyle change. Right. But the, the, the next part of this is you've got to step into your confidence. So yes. You, when you learn and you have this power of knowledge and then you say, wow, I don't, you know, I don't want to see this or that, or I want to alter this and tweak that. You have to know that you're doing this for the right reasons and step into that confidence arena so that when you go to communicate with your children and have conversations and you become the coach of your team, so to speak, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. you really are doing it from a place of confidence and not yes. this wishy-washy like you said earlier, you know, oh my gosh, my child would be so disappointed if I don't buy them this video game. Mm-hmm. So what? Disappointment's part of life. That's another life skill. So, yes. you know, really yeah. stepping into that. I, I, I coach people on this all the time, as you can imagine. And I have a client who, uh, when they take vacation, she has boys, two boys. Mm-hmm. The kids are not even allowed to bring their phones. So for yeah. seven oh. days or 10 days, they go skiing or they go hiking or wherever they go. That's mm-hmm. part of their family tradition. They do not, none of them, not the parents either. And it's an incredible opportunity sure. to just be connected as human beings on this earth. And that well, and offers we recommend- our children freedom, right? Because yes. they would make that choice themselves. So when we give them that opportunity, we're giving yeah. them the freedom to just be to just be. Yeah, they, they can't are. do it themselves. They can't. It's it's they're not old, they're not mature enough. Their brain isn't wired. Um, it's not connected enough yet to do that. Just like every athlete needs a coach. Every athlete needs someone to lead them and guide them. And that's how it is with our kids. And when you take that mentality, and we have found through our whole program that 
once you shift, just make that little shift in your brain, it becomes so much better. It's so much easier. And you're right. It, you build the, the confidence um, based on all of the research um, and all of the science out there. It's not based on somebody's opinion. And that's what I got so frustrated with when I was going through this myself. I would read blog after blog and they were all different and they were all opinions from every mom out there under the sun. But, you know, the ones that really struck me were the ones that said, um, you know, whatever you do, don't, don't get your kids a smartphone. Because mm-hmm. I talked to a number of moms, a number of older, a little more seasoned moms, and they said that was the worst parenting decision we ever made. And so with our um, daughter and then our younger two boys, they did not get smartphones um, until my daughter didn't get one until she went to college. Um, but my sons now, they're 16, and they have a talk text phone, but it has no um, internet connection there's no apps, there's nothing. It's just talk text. And we have that phone um, through our website. You can go look for that, but um, it, they really do still have them out there. And um, um, so with our boys, we found that their life is just fine, if not so much better because they are removed from all the drama of the social media. And again, parents will say, well, they have to be in this world. This is a tech world. They have to live in it. And I'm going to tell you that I used to think that, and I'm telling you right now that they do not need to be in it right now. They can be in it when their brain is functioning. Right, <laughs> and, right. Um, so we don't have, so they, ha- they never get left out of anything. They never get their feelings hurt on social media because they're not even on it. And all they have, I mean, they can text their friends and um, if they need to figure out where they're meeting and that's all they use it for. My kids never carry their phone around with them. Like during the day, they don't take it to school. It's not a thing that becomes an appendage of them, but they have the little bit of the convenience. If they're long boarding for three hours and I need to get in touch with them, I can tell them to take their phone, you know, put their phone in their mm-hmm. pocket. So it's, it's a complete tool. Um, but the myth that your kids need all this stuff right now, so they will learn how to use it for later. It, it's just wrong. It's a myth. It will hurt your kids. Um, it takes a four-year-old about 30 seconds to learn how to use your phone. I am not worried that my kids aren't going to be able to look, use whatever the technology is. Plus, they talk to their friends all the time. They know how all this stuff works. Absolutely. And, yeah. um, they're not missing anything. They're only gaining exponentially. Um, they're gaining life. They're gaining life. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. You're, you're spot on and I love what you've shared. So tell, tell us one more time exactly where people can find the challenge and find out yeah. more about you because I think this challenge for, for everybody listening is a great place to start to just yeah. connect with other parents who are also experiencing this as yeah. well as just you know learn new ideas and ways to shift. So right. tell, so, tell us where um, people can find out more about you and connect. Yeah, the um, website is screenstrong.com. And um, if you've ever heard of Families Managing Media, it's a division of Families Managing Media, but it's easier to remember, screenstrong.com. On Facebook, we have a a Facebook page as well as a private group. And the private group is Screen Strong Families. And um, it's a wonderful group. You can get in there, ask questions. You can read all the journeys in there, the testimonies of the parents that are going through the challenge. When you go to Screen Strong, Dot com. You can see on the front page how to sign up for the challenge. You just sign up with an email address and then you get a series of seven emails through a seven day process. Um, we start the challenge um, emails start every Monday for seven days, but you can sign up at any point and just know that you'll get the first one on the following Monday. And we take you through day by day of how to do um, uh, the no video games and no 
phones, basically no smartphones for a week and just encourage you to have, have it planned. You can't just do it without any planning. There has to be a little bit of planning, but we teach you how to do all that. The book, the Screen Strong Solution book, How to Free Your Child from Addictive Screen Habits, that's available on ebook as well as on Amazon. And that, that goes with the challenge. We recommend that maybe you could read that um, you know, before you do the challenge. It's a very short book. And we go through the seven steps of how to take your kids off and how to reduce screen time. And at the end of the challenge, you can choose to continue it for 30 days, which is what we ultimately recommend because a habit really needs to be done for 30 days. So you can adjust that. Um, but, you know, seven days is what you're going to get initially. And, and sometimes it's just easier to bite off seven days than it is the whole 30 days. And then after that, we have a lot of families that just decide, you know what, we love our life now without all this and we're not going back. And we have certainly a percentage of families that say they will never go back. I'll bet. <laughs> but it's, it's for any age kids from, you know, little kids, big kids, you know, middle kids. Um, as they get through puberty, it gets harder. Um, the challenge is definitely more challenging at that point. Um, so I would highly recommend starting it with your young kids and they will love it. And they just love the kids are creative and we're born to be creative and we're born to be in relationship with our primary caretakers and our parents. And most of the comments we get from the kids are, I spent so much time with my parents and they love it. And they really don't want to go back to the way things were because our kids are dying to be with us. And yeah. they, they, even as they get to be teenagers, they have to kind of pretend like they're, you know, independent. <laughs> and, um, but they still want us to choose them. They want us to make priorities around spending time together. And so we have a lot of ideas for family time and different fun things to do. And one of the best things you can do is just go buy a cheap little fire pit from one of those big box stores mm -hmm. and start having family fire pit nights. And boy, I tell you what, you get a bunch of teenagers around a fire pit and the conversations start. Absolutely. <laughs> it's just fabulous. But we have tons and tons and tons of ideas for you for any age. Um, great. Your kids. Well, that so, is fabulous. Yeah. I think that uh, the challenge is a great way to start and what a gift to offer parents this opportunity. Yeah, thank you. And if anyone really has any questions, it. feel free to email me at melanie at screenstrong.com. I love answering emails. I love doing Q&A. And awesome. I've so many years of this that I'm sure I can help you. So. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. And thank all right. you all for joining us. And remember, every moment is a new moment for Conscious Connections. Thanks for listening to Conscious Parents, Thriving Kids. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give us is to share this podcast with a friend. And be sure to give us some stars and a favorable review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen in.